everyone. It is episode 321 of This Is Whole Life. And if you haven't been enjoying this set of podcasts, this set of messages, this set of movies, then I'm really not sure like what would make life better at this point because I've thoroughly enjoyed all of them. And you guys are going to be impressed in just a second because guess who saw the movie? Oh, yeah, finally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me. And, and the best part was that you have seen how many of the movies before this? So, <laughs> like, Ken's favorite movies are apparently not on Randy's list. Well, and it's not that I didn't want to see the movies. And, and to be fair, I did see a few snippets of Inside Out, but that was, Dad, you're sleeping. What? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not sleeping. <laughs> Knock it off. I'm not, not sleeping. Um, and the other movies I had heard of, and they weren't, like, movies I didn't want to see, just for whatever reason, hadn't. And today- Stanley, So your life is now richer. It is richer. There now, we go. In full transparency, it wasn't before the message, but it was before the podcast. <laughs> so, because today uh, we have large, we have 50-inch TVs as editing monitors here at Duck Duck Productions. And Stanley's like, hey, I've got HBO on here. So let's go ahead and check out the, the, movie. the movie. So yeah. I did watch the movie this afternoon and- it did. Uh, it did definitely enhance the experience. What a great movie! <laughs> what a great movie! It really, yeah. it really was. Who um, would have thought most deaf? Yeah, was right? a great actor. Yeah. I would if you had if you'd put the name up. I would have said I don't know. I mean, and then you put most deaf with Alan Rickman. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what does Hans, what does Hans Gruber know about anything? Right. That's what I just did. So, I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. But, I don't either. But of I course. hear you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but no, I mean that just a, a phenomenal phenomenal um, performances from everybody in the movie and uh, you know for my money they they should have won awards for that they should have Gab- Gabrielle Union too the the wife of, yeah. of uh, Vivian she's been in every you know she's we amazing. were looking IMDB because I didn't I thought Mazdef was somebody else I totally had him mixed up with somebody else and I won't say who because it was so I far. might have been the one messing you up with that I think I might have said that <laughs> did or, you or I, I think I might have said on the podcast but don't well, I'm not gonna say anything more I, I people can <laughs> They'll draw their own conclusions, but it was just a, a movie that I had seen before that I really, really liked in Stanley, and I'm like, I don't think this is the same person. And then I couldn't find it, so I, I won't spoil it, but we did figure out him. and yeah. uh, the, She is in a lot of good things, and she's very diverse in, in the movies that she's taken and the roles, but she's always been excellent, too. Yeah, absolutely. And she was huge in this movie, even though in a very small yeah, role. very powerful. You know who else was excellent? The, the third person's talking. That my people might not be know, might not know if they didn't watch the service this week. But uh, David Banks pinch hit uh, this this week. I knew I had to drop my daughter off at college, and uh, and you know just wanted to kind of spend a little bit of extra time with her. So I'd uh, reached out to another one of our church members, uh, Stanton Reed. Our, our worship team had reached out, and uh, Stanton was was prepared to do it. Um, but then he had a death in the family that took place. His father-in-law passed away this last week. And, you know, what? I love Stan so much because he was still ready to do it. And we said, you know, you're not letting us down by taking time to be yeah. with your family. That's yeah. It's okay. We will figure this out. And so uh, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? It might have been Wednesday. It might have oh been Wednesday. My. Oh, my. It might have been Wednesday. That Ooh. Yeah, it was Wednesday that we reached out to Dave and said, hey, um, any chance that you might be willing? I was kind of preparing to look at a flight back from College Dale, <laughs> um, and David was gracious enough to to take it on on a Wednesday, which wow. uh, when you, if you haven't heard the sermon, let me just say, 
I, and I told David this out in the lobby before we, we came in here. I said, I would hate to see what you could do if you had a month because that was, you know, two days. I mean, God just really spoke through David and it was uh, just a really right on target for that movie. And I was so blessed. I was watching it online and just just really appreciate it, David. Thank well, you thank so you. much. Thank you. I felt like it was a tribute in, in a way from God that— I don't know how many other people that we have as members that could have jumped in on just a short notice and, and just found like every great detail of the movie and everything that I wrote down when I was preparing for the podcast today. And I was like, oh, well, oh man, he picked that one. He picked that one. Like there wasn't anything left. No. He picked all the good stuff out of the movie. And I also felt like it was God letting Stanton know that we, I've got you. Yeah. And, and David just knocked it out of the park. And it was just a blessing yeah. to to because even if you're like, well, I, it's a death in the family, but I really, you know, I prepared a message. Yeah. And I've only spoke maybe six or seven times, but if I'd have been like, yeah, last minute can't do it, <laughs> I'd have felt really bad because you put a lot of time, you put a lot of effort, a lot of prayer, and you're like, well, I don't get to, yeah. I don't get to deliver my message. Yeah. So I just so part that, of me thinks maybe we just need to invite Stanton back to to do part two because <laughs> I mean should. I think I think you would have. I think it'd be interesting to see the different nuances and different perspectives yeah. on it because I know Stanton would have just done an, an equally amazing job with it. And it, but yeah, like I said, I was just impressed that David uh, on Wednesday. And here's that cracked me up because I was talking to my wife about this, and I said, you know, I heard <laughs> I heard David say he watched the movie, he watched the documentary, he read a I don't know 18 page paper that was put out in the 80s or some at some time in the Washington Post or something. Washingtonian, yeah. And he and he and he also managed to buy Vivian's biography and read that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the space of two days. So how was um, the biography? When I watched the movie today, I thought he must have a biography out there. I gotta get it. He he does, yeah. And you know it's it's the uh the miracle of Amazon can deliver anything overnight. So that was go. really the blessing there. But yeah, no, the, the biography is really good, goes into much deeper detail. His clinical sophistication was really remarkable. What the abilities he had, it just comes through in the, in the book. And then his own commitment to service and just his development of other people. What's the name of the book? Uh, it is, well, the book, the version I got is the title of the movie, oh, okay. um, but it's it's got another subtitle to it. But. Okay. So maybe we ought to set up the movie for people who haven't heard haven't the sermon heard or yet. haven't watched the movie. And so, David, so is, I'm, I'm this actually. Is yours, this is oh, I'm going. I get to do it. Well, I think it's you picked it. You said it was one of your favorites. Yeah. So give us. Why don't we do this? Why don't you give us your your synopsis, and then we'll we'll see how that connects with David's. <laughs> oh, thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. Sure. I'm, I'm not putting you so, up against. Uh, no, no, but, no. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> this is, sorry, this is going to be fun. All right. Okay. So, was it the. 40s or so, David, that this took place? And I'm, I'm trying to remember. The story starts in 1930. 1930. Yeah, in Nashville, Tennessee. And so a uh, uh, guy with the last name of Blaylock, whose first name evades me. Alfred. Alfred, thank you. Alfred Blaylock was a, a pretty prominent surgeon in that area. And a young man by the name of Vivian Thomas was looking for work. He had wanted to be a, a doctor, but circumstances hadn't worked out for that to happen. But he was very interested in medicine. So he became an assistant for, for Blaylock. And, and what I think probably was pretty profound about it is, is that, as you'll see in the movie, if you, if you read your history, Blaylock went on to do some pretty profound work within medicine and surgery, kind of performing the first uh, heart surgeries on infants. And Blaylock would not have 
arguably would not have been able to do what he did without Vivian Thomas's help. Thomas was absolutely instrumental in, in making that happen, was, was very much an equal partner uh, with Blaylock in, in that. However, uh, Vivian Thomas being African-American did not, and in that time period, that Jim Crow period, did not get the same recognition by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he was very much overlooked. And, and as the movie kind of shows, Blaylock kind of half-heartedly tries at times to, uh, to do the right thing, but he never really gets there. And so part of this movie, part of this story is how somebody who's been marginalized finds the courage to continue on even when they're being mistreated. That's So that's a part of the story. And the, and the other part of the story is, I think, uh, a part that is important for people like me to think about is that those of us who have privilege in our life, how are we going to use it? Are we going to half-heartedly try to help those who, who have less privilege than us, or are we going to put ourselves on the line for them? Um, you know, David... Uh, use a very poignant moment in that movie in the sermon where where Blaylock actually moves from Vanderbilt uh, up to John Hopkins in a very very prestigious move for him and he brings Vivian with him and they kind of come through the front doors of John Hopkins and to make a, a long story a little bit shorter basically Vivian gets told no you have to go through the back door and Blaylock kind of half-heartedly says, well, you know, do you know who I am? He's and with me. He's with me. Yeah. Do you know who I am? And the guard says, I don't really care who you are, <laughs> and it's rules are rules. He needs to go through the back door. And and Blaylock says, all right, well, I'll meet you in the back. So it's really a story about so much that there's so much richness to it. And, um, and so – the movie for me is just very, very thought-provoking. Yeah, the reason I actually saw it was because when I was working on my master's degree, um, it was one of the required viewings for uh, my um, class on leadership and diversity. Uh, when I when I saw the movie, I was like, I've never heard of this movie. I don't. What is this all about? And I watched it, and it really profoundly touched me, and, which is one of the reasons why I picked it yeah. for for the summer series. All right, Mr. Banks, would you concur? Anything you would uh, add, subtract? No, no, I, I was I was not familiar with the movie. I had not seen it. I, I agree with what Ken said. It, it was just such a powerful story. So, I mean, as a movie, it's really well acted and the just the staging and the photography, it, it's all really interesting. Picks up a lot of momentum towards the the end of the movie. It really picks up picks up steam, I think. But the story and the context, you just can't help but be moved by Vivian Thomas's ability to persist in the face of just overwhelming obstacles. And he manages to keep going and ends up having an incredible impact just, you know, for years. I, I had mentioned in the sermon, I had a chance to talk to some of our surgeons at Advent Health. And um, to the person, they all knew Vivian Thomas. It's like, oh, no, no, he is yeah. He is the guy who uh, did everything that the movie claimed he did. Wow. So, Well, I found – let's just start with the lobby because that was something I had picked up on and something that I – was one of my favorite things that you actually brought attention to in the message. And speaking of the statue in the lobby at John Hopkins, you said, having Jesus in the lobby means nothing if his words are not in your heart. 
and you followed it with, there are a lot of the signs that are now gone that used to be visible to people about racism and segregation. And, and a lot of those are gone, but a lot of it is just settled in people's hearts. And that made me think of like, what is the difference between doing the right thing because you kind of have to, because Blaylock definitely needed Vivian mm-hmm. as much or more, even though there's no door in without Blaylock, but without Vivian, there is no other. So it's, you know, chicken and egg thing. And is there a difference between because you have to or doing the right thing because you see the true value, you have Jesus in your heart and you see the true value of that person as an equal or maybe not as a medical professional equal, but as a need equal and as God's creation as an equal person. It, what if, and even if the outcome is the same, is there a difference or like, can we start at, I'm doing it because I think I should, or I have to, <laughs> and eventually work to the other? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's definitely plays into Vivian's hands at that he's so good and that Blaylock needs him, all right? There's there's an, a, an efficiency or just a, a pragmatic sort of benefit that he's getting. But I think that's what was so powerful about the scene when he says, I thought it was different in here. Oh, yeah. Be- because Vivian does a great job of saying, I knew society would let me down. I knew my organization would let me down. I didn't think you would let me down. And so to me, it does matter because he was expecting something to be more personal and authentic between the two of them. And it clearly wasn't for Blaylock. He really was needing him to get done what he needed. He did provide some opportunities for him. But if you do read in the biography, it's really what frayed their relationship at the end. Blaylock became more angry and upset near the end of his life and never would give Thomas credit. I mean, this Mm. this was a theme that he just kind of doubled down on as he got older. So, Because the movie doesn't quite get to that point. They but, stop short. But if you watch the movie and you get to the uh, the Belvedere Hotel scene yes. where he's standing oh. behind the plant. And if you don't cry a little bit there, like it's just like that just rips your heart out and stomps on it as you have seen the backstory with him and his wife. They've got kids and she's like, I don't want to be here. I want to be in Tennessee where we had a good life. And, yeah. you know, and, and he finds out he's a, a, a level three, which is a janitor, even though he's doing the work <laughs> of. And one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was his wife saying, well, you know, I got you a raise. It's $25 extra a month on top of what you're already making. And she's like, oh, to do what he's already been doing. Yes. And she politely walks away <laughs> and just allows that to sink a little bit. And so at each of these steps, you see Vivian wanting that 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 taste of what he knows he can do. And I don't know if in the biography, if it mentions the part where he is operating early on, trying to you know figure out the tools and figure out the steps, but he's got his hands inside one of the dogs. And he's working, and the the other doctor comes in and goes, "What are you doing?" He's like, can you, "His eyes are closed. Can you see?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, I can see." And he's in there, and you know, this is this, and he's telling him what he's doing. And if the you know, with that kind of talent to know what you can do, but know that there's not a, but the way that you have to get there is this other, really disgusting sort of way that you have to do it, and you're never seen as an equal. Uh, Well, you know, the the title of the movie comes from, you know, a a great scene where Blaylock is assessing the suture that he's done 
that Vivian Thomas has done and he's feeling inside, you know, the chest cavity of the dog. And he's like, I can't feel it. He goes, it's, it feels like something the Lord, Lord made. And even in, even in Blaylock there, there's this, there's this respect and the sense of, oh my goodness, this guy's good. And you can just see the seeds of self-doubt and insecurity creeping in, which became really the Achilles heel for Blaylock is he just was insecure about Thomas's incredible capabilities. Yeah, um, and, and then following that scene after the surgery, when oh. he calls him in and he hears overhears two colleagues yeah. uh, using derogatory language, but saying how it was Vivian that bailed him out. And he, if it wouldn't have been for Vivian, that, that would not have been a success. That's that right. first one wouldn't have happened. And there's so many times where you feel like you, you start championing Blaylock a little bit. Um, only, we only page doctors. You know, he grabs the phone and he's mad and he's, you know, you need to be in here. And it, it, so there's little victories and you can see it in Vivian's eyes like, wow, I am a part of the team. And it, it just, but every time it just, the door keeps slamming shut in his face over and over. And you just get so frustrated with the, the whole, with the whole thing. And part of it made me think about that you you work so hard, and even Blaylock, you know, he has his near death experience that he describes, and he, you know, he's talking about that I I swore if I made it through this, I was going to do something specific with my life, and and almost the power struggle or the the self importance that it gave him to I, I have to make this, and it don't, I don't care who I walk over to get there, yeah, but he did find what he felt like. God, this is the, I forget how he described it. This is the he asked, Well, do you want to Vivian asked him, You sure you want to go out on this limb? Yes. Babies? And he's like, Absolutely. Yeah. I know it in my heart. This is what I want to do. But where does that intersect? Because we see the stress that this puts on his marriage when his wife is like, Yeah, it's been 23 days since you've been home before 11 p.m. And but I know what it's like to be a doctor's wife. I know the expectations. And even for Vivian, who's you know working another shift at home uh, to get his, keep his rent low, to you know fix the plumbing and fix the stairs. We, so many of us take a long time to figure out what we're supposed to be or what God's calling for us is, and then when you get there, you just want to dump all of it, right? You want to take everything you have and dump it there. But then you see the family side that takes such a beating on that, and that's. You know, those should be equally important. How do we balance that? I think that's part of part of I thought one of the ways that maybe from the movie we can take something positive out of how we can I mean, both both men working so hard to provide, you know, Vivian provide for the family and there's got to be a balance in there, but it's it, it has to be disheartening to finally figure out what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do and then still not find balance in your life. I think it's really important to acknowledge that both men did work hard, but Vivian worked harder. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Because, you know, you mentioned he was doing everything at work and then he was having to go do other things to earn m enough money to keep himself afloat, to keep doing what he was called by God to do, what he was made to do by God. And, and so I think it's really kind of important to acknowledge that. I don't want to take anything away from the fact that Blaylock worked hard and was a, a hardworking, mm -hmm. good surgeon. At the same time, the two aren't equal. It's not the same thing. You know, it's it's not the same situation. Uh, Vivian Thomas had to, to do, you know, twice the work to get, you know, just a fraction of, of the pay, uh, a fraction of the respect uh, in the community. 
and so I think it. I think as we look at that, I think it's worth going back to your question a little bit, Randy. So the question is whether you are um, more like Blaylock or you're more like Thomas. How do you make time for your family? How do you create um, space in a, in a challenging work environment? But you know, we all need to work to to support our families. Um, at least that's what I think that's the way we usually phrase it, right? We work to support our families. I think that if some of us are a little bit more honest, we work because we like to work. Well, there's um, always, and yeah. the and the bonus is that there's there's a paycheck at the end of it. But you know, if you really enjoy your work, um, sometimes it can be hard to tear yourself away from it, especially um, if it's God's calling. That to me, that's the challenge, right? And right. so for me, I know in my life, it's when I like to work. I enjoy it. I, I find that I really enjoy what I'm doing right now a lot. And so for me, part of my my journey, what I have to do to be a healthy human being is realize that work belongs in one place of my life, but it isn't my whole life. And that can be a really hard thing for me to do, especially, I think, as a pastor, because, you know, your church invades a lot of a lot of space in people's lives. And when you're a pastor, it's hard to color the boundaries and keep inside the lines. But I think it's all important for all of us to stop and kind of figure out where those lines are. Where does work end? When does your family need to take priority? There are times where, you know, if somebody has passed away, that's going to take a little bit of priority over some of the other family things that are going yeah. on in my life. That's that's a time I need to do something a little bit differently. But there are plenty of other emergencies that uh, that I that aren't emergencies that I choose to go, oh, I just I like doing that, so I'm going to go do that for a little while. And it's easy to let moments with your family, with the people that matter most, your friends, um, slip by and not not really focus. And to me, that's a little bit of what this movie is about: is is seeing people as human beings, not objects to be manipulated. Because that's really what it comes down to with Blaylock: is he's he's manipulating the objects in his life to accomplish and and help him be the get the ego boost that he needs to feel like a worthwhile human yeah. being. When you see it in the interaction with the two spouses. So yeah. Vivian's spouse is um, – and I will tell you the the best compliment I got from my wife on the sermon was referencing Vivian's wife and always listening to your spouse in these <laughs> key moments. She said, OK, finally you said something I agree with. <laughs> but the, you know, she was not as supportive early on because it, it just the load and yeah. having to move towns and all that sort of thing. But her, you see she has the ability to understand that this is Vivian's calling. I love her counsel that says you're – he's like, you know, my mind is in, still in that lab. And, and it's painful to watch him do non-meaningful work mm-hmm. when he's selling those – you know, well, he's the, the door-to-door salesman for yeah. pharmaceuticals. It's painful to see someone of that capability reduced to that and her counsel of your head's there, your heart's there. Get your – whatever you have to do to get yourself back through that door, do it. And so, so supportive and understands the magnitude, which is like, wow, that's a team right yeah. there. Compare that with Blaylock's wife, which, you know, you've already referenced. It's just you can see it's more manipulation. Yeah. It's more I'm doing, you know, Blaylock's doing this because of the grandeur, the ego, the reputation. And um, you just see it in those those two relations play, play out yeah. uh, really nicely in the movie. 
and when she's fixing the, uh, she starts a part-time job driving on base for the uh, the uh, ambulance, yeah. Yeah. and then she's fixing it while he's telling her, man, it was a success. She's like, oh, congratulations on the right. baby. And uh, oh, by the way, I'm fixing this, this I'm fixing this uh, this ar- army vehicle, which yeah. is more important to me right now than what you're doing, because I know that yeah. I'm not really part of what you're doing, where you're right, the others were a team. And speaking of that part, that was another one. Uh, speaking of the advice from his wife to basically swallow his pride. And I'm just like, cause you're, you're like, man, if you've been watching this movie, you're thinking, burn it down, Vivian, yeah. burn it down. Yeah. And you're feeling like, like, yeah, he should walk away. This, this stinks. And he, he, he'd speak his mind. And, and, but then you see him doing the other that you just mentioned. And it's like, Oh, that's even worse because he's so much more than this. And you said he refused to let the deficiencies of others rob him of his God-given talents and abilities. He's not going to let lesser people define him. Man, that that is so hard when you have to go back and swallow your pride. And it's even harder if you're doing it because maybe all you have is a paycheck. You, right. you, it, it may not be that you found what God wants you to do. And clearly he had the talent, he had the drive, he had the smarts, he had the dexterity. I mean, it was a complete package. And so how do you how do you even help someone go through and just say, I can do this. I can yeah. I can swallow this down and choke it down and I can do it no matter what situation. For me, it was the hardest part of the movie. And it's what I think HBO got right about this movie as well. Mm. Is it it's easy in this scenario to really want to celebrate Vivian Thomas because he just worked so hard and missed the fact that he shouldn't have had to. Mm. And what I love they do in the movie is his brother doesn't make it, right? So his brother's caught up in his own civil rights struggle for equal pay for teachers in Nashville, and the fight breaks him. The fight doesn't break Vivian to the same level. And so you want to celebrate the guy that makes it, and you should, but then part of the white narrative is, oh, see, you can do it if you just try hard enough. Uh, Vivian is a Michael Jordan character. He, right. he, he, is a, he is such an outlier in his abilities, in his ability to persist, not just his own physical and, and uh, mental capabilities in the lab. And so f- to me, what was the hardest part of the movie is when with all the injustice that's heaped on him, for him to be able to look Blaylock in the eye, who's the, you know, his character and say, I made a mistake. I want to come back. And then this notion of what's going to be different. Well, it's not about you. And you can see it on Blaylock's face. He's oh. like, it's always been about, what do you mean it's not about me? <laughs> he's so smug. And he-, and, he says, and you just kind of see his countenance drop just a little bit. And he says, it's about the work. And I, I said in the sermon, and I meant it, it's like I felt like I was getting into hyperbole, but that really felt like a Christ-like moment to me where Vivian is saying, my work here is so important, I can't let other things distract it, and there's mm-hmm. every reason that I should and could be justifiably distracted. No yeah. one would fault me for walking out of here, and some would think I should because I, I'm, I shouldn't take what this guy's giving me. But somehow he presses through it, and over time he's, he's rewarded, but even in the way he's rewarded, I love the way the movie at the end does not relieve the viewer of seeing the wear and tear of the journey. Yeah, yeah what it took from him. So when he's back in that lobby and he's he's at the end of his career, Tom Blaylock's Gone. been dead for 15 years. Yeah. He's settled, he's but you can see the wear and tear of the battle. 
he th- this is not a and I, I said it in the sermon I I wasn't trying to be disrespectful but I don't like the way the book of Job ends <laughs> you, you get everything back oh and you get it twice as much it's like hey good work you it's like a Disney fairy tale ending they avoided the fairy tale ending in this in that yes Thomas gets his picture on the wall yes he gets some recognition but they don't relieve the the, the audience of this took everything out of this man to do it. Mm-hmm. And the people, it wasn't lost on me that the people in the front row were the doctors who stopped Blaylock in the hall who said, you can't do this. You've given yeah. you've given hope to the family. You can't do this. You're doing this just for yourself, yeah. which it felt like he wasn't wrong. Yeah. And all these people that were ready to throw Blaylock out because even the little bit that he did stand up for the pay raise, yep. Yep. the little bit that he did try to stand up here and there, they were ready to throw him out. And now – it just feels like a little self-serving that we're all we're all we're all standing and yeah. clapping because you got your picture, yep. your painting to go in the hall, and you got your honorary, you know, doctorate. Yeah, which turns out not to even be an honorary medical degree. Uh, so really? for whatever reason, they could not give. So it's actually an honorary degree of law. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, no so come e- on. So even in the recognition, there's just a little bit. I will tell you that one of my other favorite things that I didn't reference it because we do a lot of work around innovation and. It's a great story about innovation because there's sure. there's doubters all along. And there's the one character who is the naysayer, like you said. You can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. They successfully do the surgery. I love how they cut to the – he's an older, bald man. He's, he looks like he's in his 70s. I don't know. And the first thing he says is, we did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's right, like right. 30 seconds ago, you were Mr. Naysayer. And that is the innovator's problem. They have to drag all this stuff along. Naysayers, the second they have success – Look what we did. It's like you didn't do anything. You were – yeah. So anyhow, I, it was just a little moment I appreciated. Yeah. You know, though, I, and what I want to say about naysayers is the good thing about naysayers is that I think that they do force innovators to think harder about what they're doing. Sure. That doesn't make them fun. <laughs> no. Or and, – and they sure – and in some ways they – it's yeah. It's very galling to hear somebody say we did it when it's like <laughs> I carried you on my back, and in fact, not only did I carry you on my back, but you were you were trying to pull me backwards while I was going. But I've I've had people like that in my life that because my natural tendency is to see possibilities. Oh, let's try this. Let's try that. And so I've kind of found that I actually need one or two of those people to kind of hold me back a little bit and not run too fast um, because. When I run too fast, when I don't have anybody like that, I tend to make silly mistakes and and not think as deeply as I should. But when I have somebody who's on top of me all the time, like that's not going to work, I really have to think it through a little bit more. And so if you're a naysayer, remember to be a nice naysayer um, and remember that um, being negative isn't really a spiritual gift, being thoughtful <laughs> and yeah. cr- cr- you know, honest critiques are, are worthwhile. Um, on the other hand, if you're an innovator, just remember you do need those people in your life who will who will make you think a little bit harder and who will make you reflect more than you you might naturally do. Yeah. Well, in that first baby, baby Eileen, their first case, only survived four months. So it was clinically successful. She didn't live long, though. And so it, it, they the, made it seem like it would be days if they didn't in the movie. And I don't know if yeah. that was accurate as well. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean the the babies lived about three years, but it it um, yeah she wasn't going to have a good outcome. Yeah, but even in that case that they're celebrating, the 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 case baby the baby Eileen case she doesn't survive long term. Yeah, and so 
Man, I don't know where the naysayers were there, but um, (laughs) yeah, it was a very complicated thing they were trying to do. Yeah. You got to that point about two questions (laughs) before I was going to ask it about the naysayers because that it was just so it's so maddening how everyone can like. There were very few people. The the one doctor that came in like that one time and was just like, "Well, this is an interesting case. What are you doing?" And yeah. you know, could I come and could I come and work with you a little bit? You know, as people started to warm up and to see like past the differences and to see that man, this guy was a genius. And when they they asked for the retractor, and she's like, "I don't see a retractor," and he's like, and and Vivian says, "Oh, it's that one over there, the one I the one I made." Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Of course, you don't know what it is. I, I actually <laughs> made that, and you know, and when he made the respirator and all these cool things, and yeah, it's crazy. Everyone's amazed, but then it just all goes into the bigger pile of this is our success, and it just it that yeah. part was not, of course not lost. But when Vivian, you said. Uh, Vivian was this going kind of going back to when he realized he was never going to get that recognition from Blaylock. And you said Vivian just wanted to hear his name and understand that his contribution was part of the success. And then you went on to ask a really important question. I think maybe the the highlight of the message you said, is it different in here, meaning at church, at Whole yeah. Life Church? Mm-hmm. There are those who society will not acknowledge those who organizations, maybe even our church at times, will refuse to acknowledge. But what about here? What about in here? Will we acknowledge whatever it is that's keeping someone on the outside? Let us let us say the name and recognize them and see them. Yeah. That was something that I think we all need in front of us on a really regular basis, thinking about anyone that we would for whatever reason, choose to exclude. And it makes you think of, is there anyone that I don't want at church? Or is there someone that I wish, someone that is at church, someone that is in here that I wish wasn't? And there's been times in my life when I could have answered those questions, yes and yes. And, but now I try to think of like, even if I don't like you. I don't want you not to be here. And even if we don't get along, I still think I can have a genuine, nice interaction. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but like you said, the signs have settled in people's hearts. Yeah. It. The thing I loved about Whole Life Church, we've been members there 22 years. And, you know, Andy McDonald would always say, I want someone who's never set foot in a church to walk in the, the side door and immediately feel comfortable. Yeah. And he's also had conversations historically with people that said, if you're looking for the most conservative expression of an Adventist church, you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to be here. And so for me, the the notion that someone would not be welcome in church, and this can go a lot of different ways, but at the most basic level, I can't – well, and it goes back to the why the statue I thought was such a powerful part of the movie. Jesus' words are inclusive and welcoming. And they somehow get translated to this doesn't apply to you. It's like, no, we're not going to acknowledge you. We've already made a judgment about you. You actually can't be a member here. I don't know where that fits in. I, I don't – and I realize there's – listen, I work for a large organization and there's rules and policies. And my wife is fond of saying, you know, Christianity is really good as a movement. It's not as great as an organization. <laughs> oh, wow. Because Jesus' ministry was a movement. It's like, let's go, people. We're, we're acknowledging people. We're yeah. coming together. We're all – and I, it, um, it disappoints me when you see organized religion, our own church, start to make delineations about we don't recognize you. 
It's like, man, I okay, I, I don't, I don't know who Jesus wouldn't recognize. And so, for him to hear his name and just know that he's part of the family, I and I agree with you. The the scene when he's in the back of the Belvedere Hotel, he's had to sneak in. He's hiding behind a plant. It's just like he just wants to be seen. He, he of something in his case, he's earned. What's different in our situation? Yeah, we have an. All- I mean, we have the grace of Christ that just says you get to come in. You get to be in the ballroom. We're going to, of course, we're going to say yeah. your name. But yet, it's often the church that becomes the barrier. So I, anyway, I see, I can say these things. See, Ken gets fired if he says these things. I don't, <laughs> but th- but they this, is, this is the good thing. <laughs> yeah. You but know, the, though, I think it does speak a little bit, you know. When I will I, say this. I was going to go yeah. a little more direct on that. And I thought, I can't get Ken in trouble. Oh, you should have got me in trouble. It would have been okay. It would have been okay. Um you know, I think uh, to me that that whole scene that you pointed out with Christ, <laughs> the statue of Christ in, in the lobby there at John Hopkins and the, that whole scene taking place and the, the movie makers very intentionally yeah. having Christ hovering over this interaction. It reminds me when I lived in New Zealand for a year, I was told to take pictures in the first week, I was take as many pictures in the first week as I could. They said because by the time you get to week two, three, four, five, it'll just look normal to you. Oh, interesting. Hmm. And um, and they were right. Like New Zealand is one of the most gorgeous places on the face of the earth, as far as I'm concerned. It's just amazing. But it is amazing how everything just starts to look like you're normal when when you are used to seeing it. And one of the beautiful things is is that I enjoyed was that I had uh, Ken Rogers, who was the chaplain of um, uh, Southern Adventist University at that time, come and visit me while I was there. And to have him, to take him around and let him see it for the first time reminded me Hmm. of how beautiful it was. And so where I'm running with this metaphor is just simply, I think that sometimes we take Christ for, for granted and he just fades into the background. He's there and we just like, oh yeah, that's, that's, He's over there somewhere. I mean, the guard, you, you can't tell me that guard even thought about the statue right. of Jesus Christ being there and, and what that might symbolize. It's the open arms. And, and you know, to me, one of the most powerful lines that you gave, things that you said in your sermon, Dave, was that we should fight to bring people in through the front door. But if we can't win that fight, we should go back through the back door with them. That landed with me. I mean, Blaylock could have easily said, if he's not coming through the front door, neither am I. I'm going to walk around with you, Um, Vivian. I'm going to be there with you. It's going to be Alfred and Vivian together, you know. And so for me, I think as Christians, we need to never let Christ fade into the background and become our our normal. And I think that one of the ways that we can appreciate it, it's one of the things that has— that I don't want to fade for me about whole life and my experience at whole life is that one of the things I love the most is what you said that Andy very intentionally created at whole life is a place that anybody can come in through the side door, the back door, the front door in and feel loved, cared about. And I've watched it happen time mm-hmm. and time again in the year that I've been here. I have, I have seen Atheists and agnostics come into our church. I've seen um, uh, people from other religions entirely come into our church, and I have seen people from other denominations come into our church. And what I resoundingly hear back 
is that they feel loved, they feel cared about, they feel accepted, and they feel wanted, and they want to come back again. Yeah, that's Jesus. Absolutely. You you just and and there's something wrong with church. There's something fundamentally wrong with church when that's not what's happening. When only the saints are welcomed and feel like they're there they 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 should be there and probably most of those saints secretly have imposter syndrome too realizing that if if everybody knew what was really going on in my in my family <laughs> in my own personal life yeah. i probably wouldn't be welcome here either but that's what you know i just would second i hope i hope to be a good steward of what andy began and to continue on and expand that further it doesn't matter whether you are black or white or Asian. It doesn't matter whether you are LGBTQ or whatever you may be that, that people say, oh, well, until you this, that, or another, you're, you know, no, church is for everybody. And, and you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to do anything different from the church than what you have to do for Christ. Right. Right. To to belong. And to and and Christ says to me, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And and it, it's just one of those things that I just feel really passionate about. I feel like everybody should come to church. And I think we should spend a little less time worrying about whether we're changing people and a little bit more time worrying whether we're making people feel loved so that they can experience Christ and let Christ do what Christ is always going to do in people's life. The Holy Spirit, as I read the Bible, is the one that produces change in people's lives. And the Holy Spirit does it in the Holy Spirit's time and the Holy Spirit's way. And I think that we ought to just focus on what I think we're called to do, which is live the life we think that we're supposed to be living and love people along that lines. And and then people people will when change needs to happen, it's been amazing to me in my career as a pastor. My preaching rarely changes anybody. Rarely in my opinion. I, I love to preach. I I hope that I there's that people hear something useful and that there's some help. But what I notice that changes people is loving community. That's what it is. It's when the people are supported and cared about by the people who are sitting in the chairs inside the church, and they get a good word, hopefully, on Saturday, but they're in community with other people who are praying for them, who care about them, who love them, whether they make mistakes or don't make mistakes, or you know, if, if they're trying to overcome tobacco or alcohol, that we're more worried about loving that person than whether there are cigarette butts on the on the on pavement the yeah. on the way in. And <laughs> so right. and and so anyway, so that's that's I guess I got on a little bit of a, a hobby horse or I don't know. I, I like so, that. I like so that horse because I, true. I I totally agree. But I want to go back real quick because I liked what you said. If you, you know, if you're not going to walk out the front door with them, walk out the back door with them, and that's yeah. something they could have done. But some would look at the film and say, "Well, Blaylock for his time was way ahead of the curve," and so let's give him credit for that one. And yeah, he didn't walk in the front door with him, but he did send him up to the lab by himself and. You know, just assume that he would, you know, everyone else would allow him to be there. And of course, he gets flacked from the moment he gets there. And the right. doctor puts a dollar, dollar. on the table yeah. and tells him that he wants a coffee and he gives it back to him and says, I don't know, you got the wrong person. And he goes into, they use the white bathroom together and people are looking. And of course, that would, that was a, a big no no. Right. So my question is it's very easy to go, 
if you're Blaylock, like, and he 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 says it in different parts of the movie. Well, I gave him an opportunity no one else was going to give him. I've treated him with respect. I set him up in the lab and I've given him, you know, basically carte blanche while he's in the lab. And, you know, where else are you going to get this opportunity? He doesn't have a he's not a doctor. He doesn't have a medical degree. He's a carpenter. How do you to balance? Make sure we're not patting ourselves on the back because for whatever reason, we get good feedback or we get, you know, someone that says something nice about us like this week. It just made me think someone came up afterwards and said, Raleigh and I, Raleigh, I hope you're listening. Um, his daughter's fiance's mom was watching from California. And so, you know, we always like to say, let us know yeah. as an online host, where are you watching from? And I said, Hey, hello to Karen in California and Pac from Dundee United Kingdom. He's always there. And then there was one more person and they were like, man, she was so tickled pink mm-hmm. just because you mentioned her name. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to create family. And, and we do. I care that Karen from California is watching. I don't know who she yeah. is, but as the online host, I'm excited that there's someone there who's reaching out and wants to engage with us. And so it, I, I just, it made me think of, that seems like a really nice thing. And aren't we a warm church and aren't we doing some really good things? And but it, but at the same time, when you look at the big picture and you look past those, are we missing the big things in the room? Like I didn't add, I didn't walk in the front door with them or I didn't do the really hard thing because I did see the cigarette butt going down and I didn't immediately just walk out there and shake their hand and make them feel warm in the moment when they might really be going, I don't know if I should go into church. Mm-hmm. I also want us to think about those because that that made me think of I'm sure there's blind spots in in me at church not being as welcoming or as forthcoming to provide that atmosphere that, as I should be because there's I have comfort zones at church I have people I like to talk to I have uh, you know little circles I like to you know to pick out I like to see when I see David there I like to go and pick his brain on his latest podcast that he might be listening to <laughs> to make sure my feed is up to par and so there's those those things how can we make sure that we're just focused and that we're not we're not missing opportunities to only be mediocre but to be really 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 intentional well f- for me it would be um, listening and seeking out some conversations. Because imagine in the movie, instead of slamming the drawer shut at the file cabinet, right? As he, as you <laughs> yeah. know, as Doctor Blaylock is very upset. Just imagine that scene playing out differently. All right, let's talk. I want to listen to you. I'm obviously not understanding something. I, I need to. He, you're acting because he is confused by him. I, I think you can give Blaylock credit. He's genuinely confused when he walks in with the resignation. It's like, what is this? And you're right. It's like I have done all these things for you. He's truly shocked by what's happened. I think we can use that feeling of shock to say, well, what is this? Why am I shocked here? I'm actually not understanding what's happening. What is it I'm actually not understanding? I think I understand that you're ungrateful and I've done for you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not understanding actually what's happening. And I don't know how we create that space to do that because I think it's very difficult. But to me, that's where it would happen. When, when I see someone at church you know, Randy, I totally get what you're saying. It's like, I'm busy. I'm teaching Sabs. I got, got, you know, it's like, what happens if you just pause and listen and say, okay, you tell me. Yeah. And sometimes I'll get that from my work. It's like, let me tell you something that went wrong at the hospital. It's like, oh, great. I won't have, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> yeah. Versus it's like, okay, why don't you tell me? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't understand actually how you experience something that I think I do understand. That I understand. Yeah. To me, there's got to be some, some gaps or some openings that would allow that kind of exchange to happen 
because I really don't know what your experience is. And if yeah. I left myself open to it, what 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 might that create? Because I mean, I feel Ken as a as a senior pastor going, we've got a legacy. I want to I want to keep it going, and I feel like we're doing a, a pretty good job of it. And we all he know, is, it, yeah. yeah, and speaking to and the, speaking yeah, to, trust me, he's yeah, fine. No. And we've all <laughs> we've all heard you know good stories, and we've we've seen our congregation really change. And so I think that whatever we're doing. As and it can't be just from the front. Although I do appreciate the our, front matters. Yeah. Our, our values are consistently. That's one of my favorite things about Whole Life Church, is our values are consistently reaffirmed, told, and reaffirmed. And why? Because I have to know that for me. I have to know what what we're doing, why we're doing it. And when you buy in and you realize that it is what Jesus would want us to do, it's easy to get on board. And then it's a matter of just you know continuing to pray that God molds you into the person that can be one of these people. But it takes all of us to do this the right way. I want to kind of see if we can transition ourselves from this this movie to the next one we're going to do and see if I can do this. But um, the thing, the first thing I want to say is that the most important things in a church aren't always the most prominent things. The most pr- important things in society aren't always the things that get recognized the most. And the person at Whole Life Church who makes a point of coming into the church and finding two or three people that they don't recognize and saying hi and and being friendly and just trying to get to know people they don't recognize, that's every bit as important as what I'm doing, uh, is, is getting up front and preaching. And I think when you get up front and preach, that tends to get a lot of recognition, but that's it's if 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 the whole congregation is cold yeah what does the preaching matter yeah no, i mean for sure. people and so the whole point to me of church is to is to allow people to come in contact with christ so he can bring about transformation in their lives wherever he knows it needs to take place wherever that may be and the second part of what i wanted to say with this is also that takes humility it means that whatever role god's giving you to play you need to you need to play that role with humility, whether that's me or that's whoever it may be at church. We all have to have humility. That's one of the things that Vivian had in Spades and Blaylock struggled with his whole life mm-hmm. with because for Blaylock, he one of the reasons he didn't give Vivian credit was because he thought it would diminish who he was. If he were to admit that Vivian played a big role, that it would have diminished him, and it probably would have diminished him in the moment that he was in. But I think that that he was a little, and it's easy for all of us to do. But he was a little short sighted because what it would have in 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 the, the legacy game, yeah. in the legacy yeah. it would have only made him a greater person. He would have gone down, and that's, that's what so true. And I think that's what we're going to see as we come into this week. For those who are listening right now, we've already showed the uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood on Tuesday night, and we're going to be talking about it in church. But the the the, the movie centers around the story of a reporter and uh, the very famous Mr. Rogers, uh, Fred Rogers, uh, graduate of Rollins College right here in, in our own Orlando. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but this is what, what Fred did so magnificently is that Fred had almost no ego. Or if he did, he had found a way to suppress it. It wasn't it's the sweaters. It wasn't about maybe that's it was the shoe catch for me. <laughs> okay. like, all the time, he yeah. never missed. So, 
the thing about greatness in in God's paradigm is that greatness is is humility. It's the willingness to do whatever it takes to do the job that needs to be done. And if you get recognition for it, that's great. And if you don't get recognition for it, that's great. And that's not an excuse for us not to do the right thing by people and recognizing people for the things that they do. But it's also an encouragement to me because there's so many times I can't think of a time in my life. I really, it's very hard for me to think of any awards that I've won that I felt like I deserved, Hmm. but there's been a whole lot that I've been passed over that I was sure I deserved. (laughs) Um, And, and so for me, the thing about it is it's, it's a, about humility. And, and Blaylock needed more of it in his life. He would have been a happier person. He would have found greater satisfaction with his accomplishments. And as you pointed out in, the, in that one scene where, where uh, Thomas is, is pushing him around yeah. in, the, in, the, in the chair, he says, I regret. And he just, he stopped short. He was like, <laughs> he was like the rich young ruler who just couldn't quite push himself yep. over couldn't over the edge it. and just yep. say, Vivian, I didn't treat you as well as I should have. Right. I did not do what I could have, and I want you to know it. And so, you know, I think for me, the takeaway for everybody listening today is take a moment to be a little reflective on your life. If you can't think of somebody you've hurt, you're probably not thinking hard mm-hmm. enough, um, which is not to say we need to sit and beat ourselves up for, you know, everything that's gone wrong, but it, it's also a worthwhile thing. Um, to stop. And I, it's something that I've had to come to grips with in my life because, you know, as a young adult, I was, a, um, and I'm maybe even to this day, but for sure I can reflect back and see um, just just how I bullied some people. At the time, I didn't view it as bullying, but boy, now that I look back, boy, it was. It was, it was, yeah. I, I, and I've tried to call and make amends with those that I could. There's some more that I still need to, but it doesn't hurt to stop and think because even late in life, you can think back and go, okay, I could have done that better. And it wouldn't, it would actually be worthwhile for me to admit that and to say, hey, I, I didn't do right by you and I can't fix it, but I want you to know I recognize it. And if there are ways that I can make amends, I'm willing to do it. Think of what that might have meant, mm. what it might have meant to Vivian. Oh, yeah. In that moment to just hear him admit that. You know, I could have been so, yeah. even if it, I could have been so much better f- towards you, with you, for you. Yeah, that I, would have changed. I, I love that scene too. Cinematically, it's really interesting. Just the way his voice breaks, he, he just so much conveys. But Ken, I, I love the way you said that. It's just, um, it, you know, that insecurity shaped him and continued to deform him up until his death, which was very shortly after that last scene. And you're so right. You think about. It could have been a Lewis and Clark, Lennon McCartney. It could have been Blaylock and Thomas, right? It, some of the greatest accomplishments come because people collaborate, put their heads together, and it just opens up so many things, and he just couldn't get there. And you see that at the end, the weight. You know, you just never escape yourself. Yeah. And at the end, it's Blaylock's self that's just – you can just feel the weight of it. I, I like your rich young ruler mm-hmm. sort of analogy there. It's – it's just a powerful moment to think about. How do I never be in that situation? That you think enough of yourself that you can't pull yourself together, what, knowing after he's turned you down, he's not going with you. No, no, it's and this is this is your one last, maybe your one last. If this is a true part of the story, mm-hmm. that this is probably the last time you're going to see him. Very, very well yeah, could be, true. and it's right there. 
you know it's there. He knows it's there. And it's almost the tension of him going, is he going to say it? No way he says it. And yeah. he's going, does he know Does he know what I'm about to say? No, I can't say that. Yeah. And then just while well, we walk away and yeah, we yeah. leave it. And that, it? That, that's tragic. And that's that's regret. And so getting to our questions from the response, we had a lot of people who – Thank you for such a wonderful, compelling sermon today, Mr. Banks. Great message today. And uh, Sharon Schofield said, value others above yourself. Jesus did this every day on earth, and pride has a way of affecting our relationships in, in church settings. What can we do to be more inclusive and lift others up? And do you think SDAs are doing better now or do we have a long way to go? And I know we talked about this a little bit, about how we can help and we can reach out and lift others up maybe. But do you think as a as a as an overall church, or maybe we can just apply it to our church? I mean, do, are we doing better? You know, I, it, I don't know if we're doing better. I love the church we've been in. I, I feel like I get sometimes a warped view of what Adventism looks like. Yeah. It— yeah, I, I don't know. As a, as a church at the highest level, I don't know if we're doing a better job. It, it feels like there's more division. I, I was um, – I loved what uh, Jan Paulson used to talk about when he was our GC president. And he talked about the best, the best things that Adventists could be known for is to be relevant on the front lines of suffering in your communities. Mm, I don't yeah. hear us talking that way anymore. I, I hear us. I mean, we talk about it at Whole Life Church, but when I think of your bigger question, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're doing that better. I, I hear a lot of, we've got rebellious sectors in our church, <laughs> and we've got things that are trying to be undone, and there's kind of this suspicion, like it's, and I, I, I just don't think that's driving us to maybe this idea of being more be open. More. I think, a, I think it's a good question about our church. I think. An even more important question is me. Yeah. And, and that's where I've come to with the, my church. I feel very disappointed in some of the decisions that our, our church on the corporate level has made, whether it's women's ordination yeah. or the way that we um, ostracize certain groups of people. Mm. Yep. That disappoints me. But I have come to recognize that that's not something that at this point in my life I have any power over. All mm. I have the power to do is what's within my sphere, and that sphere right now is Whole Life Church. And that's the place God's put me, and, and he's put me with my wife and my kids, and I can be a good dad, and I can I can make the difference in those areas of my life. And so that's for me um, where I, I've tried to quit worrying about – and, and, and I really would love it if if some of the other uh, um, critical parts of our church that are critical of the whole lives of and 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 honestly that are critical of of the more uh, whatever side you don't agree with. I love it if we just focus a little bit more within the, the three foot window that we live within, mm-hmm. and a little less with the the overall. And I think if we all did that, probably things would would find their way. Yeah, and I don't know if they would get better, but at least the area that I'm in would be taken care of better. Yeah, yeah. Marshall wants to know what should we do with our regrets? You know, just like we talked about Dr. Blaylock and Vivian sitting there and going, "Well, I mean, I don't know how many regrets Vivian had other than that I wished maybe." 
things would have been a little bit different and I would have gotten a little bit more recognition yeah. during that time. And that's not that's obviously very fair to feel that way. I don't know how many regrets he, he came out with, but clearly Blaylock had regrets. Well, my wife and I had a lot of conversation about Blaylock's sentence. You haven't really lived until you've – you haven't really lived if you don't have a lot of regrets. regrets. And it was like, is that true? Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, to me, that that's actually the one line in the movie. As much as I love his regrets scene and I think it's real for him, it's like, I don't know if I agree with that statement. I don't know if living a good life means you've stacked up a lot of regrets. And maybe it's just what you how you choose to process your experiences. I, I don't know. But um, for Marshall, I, which I know Marshall. Marshall's a wonderful human being. Um, I, you know, I think you just take take from them what you can and move on. Uh, there's just no reason to to stew in those. To stew in it, yeah. I agree. I don't think you need to to stew in them. At the same time, you can use them as an opportunity sure. to to try to make amends where, where amends are a, a good thing to be made, to, to apologize. Yeah. I think the worst thing you can do is live in regret like Blaylock did yeah. yep. and not do anything about it, not to not to actually – I mean he had it completely within his power to say to Vivian, hey, look, I, I really messed up. I could have done so much better. Instead, he chose to live in his regret instead of use that regret to motivate him to, to do better. I would rather not focus on the regret and but when – it's brought to my attention, and it's not always easy. And like you said, you've made <laughs> made calls, and, and those are those are difficult things to do. Or when someone contacts you on social media after yeah. many years and goes, "You're such a jerk to me." Are you the same bubble. jerk that you were back in yeah, high school. Are you, are you still that guy? And or or you know, if my wife brings up something and I'm like, "I've never heard you say that before," and it's like, "Oh yeah, that was that was just totally uncool." Yeah. And you go, "Man." I am sorry. And if I could go back and take that back, even if I don't think that's how I intended it, it doesn't matter. That's how it came out. And that's how it made you feel. And I honor what you yeah. feel. That's that's on me. But then you have to let that go. You have to say, I am sorry. That's all you can do. You can't put the words back in no, your no, mouth and you, and you have to move on. But I would rather just take the humility route there and say, truthfully, I am sorry and let's move on if you know i can't i can't stay there because if you stay there you never leave yeah. and you just get stuck yeah i i mean you're sitting in front of a control board to me regrets just like feedback you turn, <laughs> you turn the knob turn you, you make the you take in the feedback right it's not that yeah. you ignore it you make yep. the adjustment and and you move on and hopefully you don't run into that again but you don't ignore it but you don't you but can learn adjust from and it move too on. And, yeah. and assume that Great you know metaphor. if someone else is if someone else is giving you that look when you're talking to them it might also be one of those things that's like, well, I hope it's not one of, oh, maybe I should reword that. Maybe yeah. I, or just ask, does that make you uncomfortable? Did I, was that not cool? Yeah. You know, and be more self-aware. And our last one is from, where did I lose it? Nashville Tim. He's got the best name online. Nashville Tim. Yeah, Nashville, Nashville Tim. Tim. I, I wrote in the chat. He he won best name, uh, best yeah. online name for the week because Nashville. Don't Tim encourage is him. I'd like to make him Orlando Tim. There you go. Oh, do we know Nashville Tim? <laughs> oh, I know a Nashville Tim. Well, right. Nashville Tim, if you're listening, uh, we'd like to make you O Town Tim. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> pretty good. Tim. That, does, that, that does. That sounds way better. That sounds way better yeah. than Nashville Tim. Although I do love Nashville Tim, I, I'll have to agree. Yeah. Uh, how can we today continue to right the wrongs from the past? I mean, that's a broad over overview kind of of the movie like if we could just you know what do we take away from this movie that maybe like ken talked about our three-foot window if there's something you could take away from this in your three-foot window what would it be 
you know, I think this question came up from Craig, and it's I shared in in the Q and A in church that the experience I had when my daughter was graduating from University of Chicago, and they opened the service with saying, "I want to just pause and let everyone know we are on tribal lands that were unlawfully taken." And in all honesty, in the moment, I'm like, "Guys, we're having a graduation. What? Why the downer? Let's move." And I caught myself, maybe not in the moment, but later thinking about, "I I don't know how to return the land. I can create enough space to hear the story, though." Mm. And start to realize, you know, I'm I'm connected to what's gone on before me. I know a narrow sliver of that. I could probably open up my aperture and hear hear broader. It's when you think about Vivian, so much wealth was taken from him. Mm. I don't know how you give that back to him, other than we can tell a story. We can we can we can try to listen to 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 what are the other stories that are available to hear and it, celebrate it, them. It bothers me when people are offended, like, oh, you're just trying to tear us down or you're – why are you focusing on the negative? People's stories matter. Yeah. And getting that broadest exposure of how we got to where we are, you only have a sliver of the story. So uh, leaving access – people are always surprised when you ask them, why is there a Division Street in Orlando? It's like, well, I don't know. Well, that was literally the dividing line dividing of where you line. could live based yeah. on your race. It's like you got to know the history of that street. You know that street is like – Oh, Orlando was that, right? And it just starts to open up. Other other windows can start to open up around. Oh, okay, well maybe that's you know. So to me, it's about listening. It's about embracing discomfort. Absolutely, and it's being heard, right? That's what he wanted. I think that a lot of times, for those of us who weren't on the the part of the side of history where there was suffering and hurt, it makes us feel guilty and bad to hear those stories. And we so we brush them aside and don't want to hear them because they make us feel uncomfortable. Um, and I don't think there always is a way to make it right. No, um, I don't think right. you can give somebody back their life who's been lynched. Right. I don't think that you can ever make that right. What you can do is make the best amends that you can. Um, what you can do is be respectful of that and ensure that there is a future without that. Right. Um, and, well and, and you don't make a future without that by brushing that Enough, side of history yeah. away because when you say, well, that didn't happen, then you make it possible for it to happen in the future. Yeah. You know, Randy, you'd asked a question early on. The, the name of the book is Partners of the Heart. Okay. That's the, that's the Vivian Thomas autobiography, Partners nice. of the Heart. I'd recommend it. Well, it will be in today's show notes as always. So uh, swipe up and that link will be there probably to Amazon because that's usually the yes. first place when I search it. Coming up on this coming week, like Ken already said, we've already screened the movie. And, you know, if we did this today, I might be available tomorrow to actually come to the church and catch one of them before. Do it. Do it. I'm going to give it a whirl. But we're going to finish up this series, Got on the Big Screen, with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, starring Tom Hanks. I know from doing announcements, it's rated PG. And we will... um, be doing that there's all kinds of snacks and fun things so bring a little bring a little pocket money have a little fun make the kids happy come and see the film and next week after what are we doing after this though i don't do we do we know it's back to school baby back to school <laughs> back to school baby Uh-oh. yeah we're not, we're not we're not previewing that movie are we 
<laughs> yeah, that's. I'm glad you clarified that. So that we got okay. on the big screen. This is this Saturday is the last uh, last one of that, and then we're doing uh, we're doing a, a Saturday where we uh, celebrate um, teachers and students, and we're going to talk about the importance of education. We're going to also, I think, uh, have a little fun. I. I'm going to do something that one of my young adults a couple years ago challenged me to do. I was doing a talk on um, marriage, and the young adult came up to me and said, that's all fine and good, but when was the last time you did a sermon for singles? She said, you, 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 you always Ooh. focus on it, and you make it seem like a person can't be complete if they're not married. Is that what you believe? And I said, no, that's not what I believe. And then I thought, but boy, that's that's sure the way I tend to preach. So, <laughs> so, um, so I'm actually doing a sermon. Uh, f- I'm doing a sermon on being single, mm-hmm. um, and then I'm doing a uh, sermon on on marriage after that. So we've we've got some fun things coming up. I, if there is going to be a back to school sermon, I would volunteer to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, Rodney. I, I, I'm sure Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> has some interesting theological implications. I'm sure there would. Well, be. maybe we can schedule that for next year. Yeah, next year. Something about respect. Two young guys. Oh man, this is probably t- what, about 10, 12 years ago. Did a documentary on singles in the church. Yeah, I might have been one of those guys. So maybe I'll uh, I'll send yeah, you send me a link to that since documentary. Your, your blockbusters, yeah. you know, I'll send you this one just <laughs> off on the side. No, I wanted to quick say that this was after our summer series. I mean, I just want to make sure everyone knows how blessed we are. The summer series we had great guests, we had great messages. In our podcast episode, someone said, "You guys keep going longer and longer," and I'm like, "You know, we keep trying to cut it down." But I'm like, if you think about what we've been covering in these movies and over the summer series, there's been some really good things. And I've had other people say, go longer. Don't stop the conversation because (laughs) what you guys are talking about, my heart needed to hear. So if we've gone a little bit long for summer series and for the, the blockbusters, I apologize. But I also know that a lot of what we've talked about has really been impactful for people. And and so it's hard to it's hard to apologize for that. You know, if you need to listen to it on one and a half sometimes, you, <laughs> you know, to, to get a little bit faster for the commute, I give you permission to do that. But just know that if you've missed any, don't. We we've really had some impactful conversations. And even the bonus episode, if you needed a little lighthearted laughter. I was trying I was like a magician on this board trying to keep everybody's on the laughs and then keep it from blowing out with Dan Merchant if you didn't catch that really good just a little 15 minutes about Hollywood which if you stop and listen to it you think uh-huh. There was a lot of really good stuff in just even the bonus. So thank you to all of our guests. Thank you, David, again yeah. for just jumping thank you so in much at the for last time minute. out of your day. And uh, I was excited because I'm like, I was excited for my friend Stanton. And Stanton, if you're listening, we're definitely still praying for you. Yep. And we love you. And but I was and like, Monica. And you want to pray for Monica his, as well? Yep. yep. That was her dad. That's her dad. So And yeah. when I heard David was our pinch hitter, I was like, yes, we are going to survive. This is going to be good. <laughs> so it was a it was a good week, even in the midst of tragedy. But thanks, guys, for listening and have a great week.